Praise the Lord. It's wonderful to be able to just cut loose and worship the Lord together and uh, just to see everything that's going on in our local church and to see the lives that are transformed by the Word of God, uh, to see the baptisms, all of it's just praise the Lord. All right, Genesis chapter 48. We're coming down to the end of our study in Genesis. Genesis 48. Let's pray, and then we're going to get to work. All right, Father, we come to you today in Jesus' name, and Lord, we confess that uh, we can get our eyes on your word. We can get our eyes in this book, and we can engage our brains, and we can completely miss the point. And so, Father, we need you, um, just like Second. Um, uh, 1 Corinthians 2 talks about uh, the Spirit being required to give us understanding. Lord, we're trusting you for that, for the help of the Spirit uh, to, to, to reveal but also impress your truth on our hearts and our lives. Lord, we again confess that without you we can do nothing, but with you all things are possible. And so, Lord, your word can transform our lives this morning. Uh, we're trusting you for that. We're counting on you for that. And so, Lord, you're God. We're your people. Have your way. Uh, Lord, I ask that you just take me and the weakness of my flesh and my stumbling lips, all of that. You just set that aside. And, and uh, Lord, that you'd take your word in the power of your Holy Spirit. And that, Lord, you'd be glorified this morning. Lord, I pray that... Uh, this passage would be a, a motivation for believers to, to have a testimony of praise at the end of their life. And, and that means I gotta, we, to, we have today, we gotta, we gotta take today uh, to live for you. Lord, you've made us, you've bought us, you've purchased us, you've made us your own. And so Lord, you should be glorified in and through our lives. And so we're trusting you for that as well, all in Christ's name, amen. All right, here we are. Jacob is now beginning the blessing of his sons. And in chapter 48, uh, it is the blessing of Joseph's children. And then from there, uh, we want to, um, we'll, we'll see the blessing of the rest of his sons in uh, chapter 49. Chapter 48, verse 1 says, And it came to pass after these things that one told Joseph, Behold, thy father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. So here in verse one, we find out that Jacob is sick. He's coming to the end of his life. In the next chapter, we're gonna see that it's a sickness unto death. Uh, he does not have long now to live. And so verse two, one told Jacob and said, Behold, thy son Joseph cometh unto thee. And Israel strengthened himself and sat upon the bed. Now according to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 21, this time at the end of his life, this is a time of worship. Worship is your first blank. If you're taking notes, Hebrews 11:21 says, by faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning upon the top of his staff. That's how he was able to set up. He had to use his staff as he strengthened himself and sits on his bed. Now, what an incredible picture that is. All of this is happening. He's coming to the end of his life, and Hebrew says it's a time of worship. He worshiped by faith. That gives us an incredible picture. You know, a life 
following the Lord, a life living Christ promotes true worship. In John chapter four and verse 23, Jesus said the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, when God takes your life, when God uses your life for his glory, your life ought to, over the course of the years, it ought to work itself out to this inexorable conclusion, right? So that whenever you come to the end, it's not all regret, it's all worship. So many people, they live their lives for themselves, going away that's right in their own eyes, and and they're doing what seemeth good unto them, and And that just never works out really well. What does the book say? What is God's call over our life? Let's do that. Let's do that consistently over the course of our lives so that at the end it's not regret and loss, but it's worship. God, you do all things well. Would to God that in every case, in every place, that the testimony at the end of the life of the believer is glory. God be glorified. Psalms 116 verse 15 says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Um, this morning I got up, I'm, I'm, uh, so my, my custom is uh, everything's done, so help me God by his grace, everything is done by Saturday. But, I, hey guys, <laughs> it's good to see you. Everything's done by Saturday. And, uh, and then Sunday morning, I get up and I print out my message and I work through the PowerPoint one more time. That's my review for Sunday morning. I put little tick marks in my manuscript so that the guys in the back uh, can, can work the PowerPoint in sync with the message and, and, and that's my review. And sometimes my inbox distracts me. Uh, if I made the mistake of looking at Outlook, uh, then it, you know sometimes that takes 15 minutes off my morning, but but uh, this morning, there's a message from Ben Mora. And um, yesterday, his sister went to be with the Lord. And Ben's rejoicing because his sister has a testimony. I mean, it's, it's a hard deal because she's too young and leaves two little ones. It's two little ones, right, Ben? Um, it's a niece and a nephew? Oh, two nieces. Okay, two nieces. Um, you know, those little girls are going to grow up without mom. So there's a heartbreak aspect of it, um, but there's also a rejoicing. This family is at peace. They know here is a woman whose life was lived to the glory of God and absent from the body is present with the Lord. And she won't come back, they'll go to her. There's, there, there's faith for all of that. And so just please, would you keep that in mind? Um, pray for the Mora family, Ben's whole family, that God's comfort, God's grace would be on them. But it is, it's, a, it's an incredible thing when a believer, especially one whose life has been productive for the glory of God, it's been profitable for the Lord. They come down to the end and the Lord gather this, you know, God's not willing that any would perish. Uh, and yet, the flesh in sin, that's all that can ever happen. But our life as believers isn't sourced in our flesh. And so whenever the, you know, the, the silver cord is broken whenever we come to the end of our life in the flesh, the Lord gathers us to himself. It's precious in his sight. 
In verse three, Jacob gives his testimony. Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. So here Jacob uses the name El Shaddai. Uh, when I was in college, Amy Grant came out with a song, El Shaddai. El Shaddai, El Shaddai. Like I could, like I had no idea what she was saying, you know. It took a while to, to figure that out, you know. But El Shaddai, that's God Almighty. God Almighty is in his description of God now. I mean, he's not just God, he's God Almighty. God had his way with my life. So he's showing now next in verse four how God is able to keep his word. And he said unto me, God Almighty, right? Verse four, he said unto me, behold, I will make thee fruitful and multiply thee and I will make, I'll, I'll make of thee a multitude of people and I will give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. This is the promise of God's word over my life. See, Jacob knew that these boys, Jacob's son, needed to hear his testimony of God's work in his life. And brothers and sisters, we need to seek out, we need to hear the testimony of the old timers. Uh, that shortens our learning curve. You notice how I frame that. We need to hear from the old timers because that shortens our learning curve. Um, rapidly becoming an old timer. But let me, let me just ask the seasoned saints, do you have a testimony of God's faithfulness? If you do, you need to tell that because the rest of the church needs to hear it. If you've got a testimony of how faithful, how, uh, who God is, how God has worked in your life, people need to hear that. Get this down in your notes. Your testimony is a powerful tool in witness to God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's Jacob, full of faith in his last days. He loves to tell the story. He, he is now repeating it. He's giving testimony. It's like the Apostle Paul who delighted to tell his conversion story. And so in Acts chapter 22, in Acts chapter 26, you see how he gives his testimony. If you flip your notes over on the back, you'll see an outline um, on, the, on the back of your notes. It's the Acts 22 Power of Testimony outline. We're not gonna go through that this morning. That's your homework uh, for, the, for the, the, the message and the service today. Uh, but here it is in a nutshell. Whenever Paul gave his testimony, he talked about what his life was like without Christ. Who he was, what he was doing, how he was rolling before Christ enters into his life. And then he talks about how he personally encounters Christ so he tells the story of God saving him from his sin, and then he describes how God gets to work in his life. Uh, a life of submission results in what? And so Paul tells that story. And then he tells who he is now that he is a believer. And so that, that, what an incredible formula, what an incredible approach, approach for believers to give the testimony of who God is, of his saving grace. People need to hear how God has changed. You know, if God is so distant and impersonal that, that none of our lives are changed, why would anybody else want a relationship with him? Uh, because of who God is in our life, uh, it's magnificent, it's wonderful. People hear that. I have a testimony of a changed life and, and then the Holy Spirit will take that testimony and apply it to the, to the brokenness and the need that's in their own life and Next thing you know, you've got an, an open door for the gospel. You need to tell your story with Christ over and over again. 
And so brothers and sisters, this is one of the things that, that I've been bought off on since our beginning. I, I, man, I want, uh, if, if, if we have it, if we can do it, I want in all of our services that somehow, in some way, we're hearing testimonies. Um, the, the, the prob- here, here's the problem that we have. Um, you know, the pastors can't connect with everybody to know what the, the good testimonies are that we need to hear. Sometimes you, okay, sometimes you hand the mic to someone, they're gonna give a testimony, and then like 30 seconds into their spiel, you realize this was a horrible mistake. <laughs> this is, oh my goodness, I think that person's going to hell. They, I mean, they've got the whole story of the gospel completely wrong. You know, like, like that can... Like that can happen, and so we want to hear that actually somebody really does have a testimony that's bringing glory to God, and, and the problem is, is as pastors we can't connect with everybody to know all of those stories, and we can't remember what we've heard and what we, yeah, okay, so um, Bibles, I'm talking to the Bible study leaders this morning. We need your help, okay? L- 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 listen to the testimonies whether it's a testimony of answered prayer or it's a testimony of salvation, it's a testimony of how God has been faithful in some way and, and then you know, that testimony that you know would be edifying, you, you ought to just coach them, hey, could you, could you tell that story in about three minutes and then make sure that we as the pastors know who those are and so watch the flock that God's given you. Look at their Facebook feeds. Uh, that kind of thing. So, so look for the things that, that they could say in giving testimony to God that'll be, that'll be an encouragement to the rest of us. Is this making sense? Um, we will make time. In the, if we have a testimony salvation uh, up and ready to go, we'd make time for that in every single service. I don't have to take as long in the pulpit if that's what it takes, all right? We, we need to hear these testimonies during the time of confusion and COVID, we went, I mean, we just, that's all we did was look for testimonies. That was the bulk of our time and, and what a fruitful time that was for us as a local church. So many people came to Christ, multiple people getting baptized in every service. Uh, we had a run for, I don't even know how many weeks, it was months where we had baptisms every single, in every single, uh, every single week we had baptisms. Because God's people, were testifying in mass, testifying as a group of just how good God is. So I don't know, I, I don't know what else to do. I need to put you guys to work, okay? If we're gonna do that, you're gonna have to do that. Um, so sorry pastors, you're, hopefully your Bible study leaders will start feeding you testimonies and, and then we'll start, we'll start making room for them. We gotta do it. Verse five, and now, my, now thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born unto thee in the land of Egypt, before I came unto thee into Egypt, are mine. And then notice what he says, as Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. It's interesting. Well, they're, gonna, they're gonna be replacement sons for me. And thy issue, which thou begettest after them, shall be thine, and shall be called after the name of their brethren in their inheritance. Okay, so the rest of your sons are gonna end up being called after Ephraim and Manasseh. That's the way it's gonna work. And so, get this down. In verse five, Jacob is taking Joseph's two sons as his own. These sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, take Joseph's place and become two tribes in his place. And when you get down to the days of the conquest of Canaan, they were given portions. 
No portion was given to the tribe of Joseph because there is no tribe of Joseph anymore. It's now the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh. And um, you, can, you can look at this a couple different ways, but, but at the end of the day, in terms of portions now, Levi doesn't get a portion, but there's still 12 divisions. Uh, at the same time, Reuben and Simeon disqualify themselves, and, and so you know, Joseph says, I need 12. I need, God gave me 12 sons, and two of them are disqualified, and so, so Ephraim and Manasseh has to take their place. Ephraim and Manasseh, think about how this works for them. They are sons of the guy who is running everything. Effectively, they're royalty, okay? Um, the, 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 I mean, the rest of their poor cousins are walking around following sheep, and they ride everywhere in a royal chariot, okay? Uh, these boys are probably enjoying the best of the best. Not that, not that the rest of Jacob's family is suffering at all. They're, they're flourishing, but they're not, I mean, the, these are the sons of Joseph, okay? These guys are, these guys are they're, I mean, they're in the tall corn, okay? So they gotta stay connected to their lowly shepherd roots. Uh, they, they, they need to remember of, of who, in terms of a people, of who they are, and so they need to, they need to know their shepherds. That's who their future Messiah will be. He is the great shepherd. And so this is a time for them to get a word, not just from granddad, but for a man who effectively is a father to them in the faith. They need a word from granddad before he goes home. Matthew Henry, again, makes a great point. He says, it's good to acquaint young people that are coming into the world with the aged servants of God that are going out of it whose dying testimony to the goodness of God and the pleasantness of wisdom's ways may be a great encouragement to the rising generation. Manasseh and Ephraim, I dare say, would never forget what passed at this time. Yeah, I mean, it's like, do we gotta move out now, Dad? I mean, he, Granddad just took us as his sons. Uh, this would have to be impactful. But, but notice, we'll see this as we come down through the chapter, the blessing that Jacob gives these boys. Jacob continues, he says, as for me, when I came to Badan, Rachel died by me in the land of Canaan in the way, when yet there was but a little way to come unto Ephrath, and I buried her there in the way of Ephrath, the same as Bethlehem. In other words, we almost made it to Bethlehem, and we could have gotten help there. Like if she could have just held on just a little bit longer, we could have made it to Bethlehem, and the, and the doctors, the physicians there could have helped. So he's remembering his loss. You know, even the hard times, even those times of grief, that's part of our testimony. Because it's during those times where we really see the faithfulness of God at work in our lives, right? The grace of God, the peace of God, the comfort of God. Those, those hard times are part of your testimony and people need to hear it. Rachel was so very dear to Jacob. You remember in Genesis 29:20, 20, he served seven years for Rachel and that labor seems, right, the, 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 the service to Laban seems unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. Uh, Jacob, you know, is, I mean, there's dysfunction in his family, but, but don't miss it. I mean, he loved his wife. 
In Colossians chapter three, verse 19, the Bible tells us, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. You know, the enemy's gonna make sure that you see all the reasons why you should despise your bride. And it's a satanic trap. Well, she's got problems. Well, okay, go, go, go take a minute, go look in the mirror. Uh, you got problems too. Have some compassion, have some grace, have some love for your wife. You're commanded not to be bitter against your wife. So many husbands, husband, you know, men are so stoic and they get hurt, they get wounded, they don't say anything and they just endure and they just set in quiet bitterness against their wives and their wives just keep, I mean, they just keep moving like they don't know or they know something's up but, you know, he'll come around when it's time. And what you end up doing is you end up sowing dysfunction and death into your marriage relationship. God, God, God commands you not to be bitter against your wife. Read Ephesians 5. Lay your life down loving her. Uh, Jacob loved Rachel. And so he's just telling the story how he lost her. All right, verse 8. And Israel beheld Joseph's sons and said, Who are these? And Joseph said unto his father, they are my sons whom God hath given me in this place. And he said, bring them, I pray thee, unto me, and I will bless them. Now, the eyes of Israel were dim for age so that he could not see. And he brought them near unto him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said unto Joseph, I had not thought to see thy face. And lo, God hath showed me also thy seed. And Joseph brought them out from between his knees and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. So don't miss the fact that history here is repeating. Do you remember what we saw in Genesis 27? Uh, You know, Jacob's father, Isaac, his eyes were dim for age, right? He could not see. History is repeating and, and just like with Jacob and Esau, God had revealed to Isaac what would come to pass. God's revealing to Jacob the future of each of these sons of Joseph. So just like Isaac knew that Jacob would be greater than Esau, when Jacob tried, or when Esau, I'm sorry, when Isaac tried to pass on the Abrahamic blessing to Esau, he did that knowing what God had already said. Genesis 25, 23, his wife, I mean, something's going on in her womb so they pray, right? They both pray, and the Lord answers his wife. Two nations are in thy womb, Genesis 25, 23. And two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. But thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. I mean, you've got, the reason you're having a tough pregnancy is you've got two nations battling in your womb. How about that, ladies? You think you have a tough pregnancy? You've never had two nations battling it out in your womb. Okay, so there it is. Now again, don't miss this, right? Joseph brings out his sons. He bows himself with his face to the earth. Don't miss again this, this entire thing, right? This is a time of worship. Verse 13, and Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand. I want the oldest to receive the the, the blessing, the blessing of the firstborn. I want him to receive that. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head. 
the hand, the right hand of blessing is going to the second son. Okay, that's what's taking place here. So he stretches out his right hand, laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand, so there's Ephraim, and now here's Manasseh, okay? He stretches out his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, God bore, or God before, whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day, the angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, and let my name be named on them, and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. So don't miss this. Again, history's repeating itself, and again, the blessing goes to the second son. We see that over and over again in Genesis. Okay, there has to be a replacement, and so uh, here, here, you know, in, I mean, in the beginning, Cain kills Abel. Cain goes out, right? What replaces Abel? Seth. The blessing, the Abrahamic line, the Messianic line, then goes through Seth. It's the second, right? It's the replacement son. Uh, we saw this with Jacob and Esau. The elder serves the younger. The younger receives the blessing, and so the same thing's happening here. The second son is blessed. Abel, blessed above Cain. Seth, obviously blessed above Abel. Isaac, blessed above Ishmael. Jacob, blessed above Esau. Ephraim, blessed above Manasseh. And Jacob did all this by faith. Again, the description of this time, Hebrews eleven twenty one, by faith when he was a dying, right? Jacob, by faith when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning upon the top of his staff. And sure enough, whenever you get to Numbers, when you get to the book of Joshua, you find out that Ephraim, as a people, were greater than Manasseh. In Numbers chapter one, in verses 32 through 36, you see this. And so in, in Numbers 1.32, uh, we talk about the, the tribe of Ephraim. And once they're numbered out, right, those that are able to go forth to war, look at verse 33, those that were numbered of them, even of the tribe of Ephraim, were 40,500. And then verse 34 gives you the account of the tribe of Manasseh. And when they're counted, look at verse 35, those that were numbered of them, even of the tribe of Manasseh, were 30 and 2,200. And so there it is. I mean, Ephraim is greatly outpacing his older brother. Joshua himself comes from the tribe of Ephraim, and I give you the cross-references for that in your notes. Uh, one of the reasons that Manasseh was not as great as Ephraim is their land allotment fell on both sides of the River Jordan. So you have this natural barrier between them as a people, and that could have been one of the reasons that they were weakened and weren't able to keep up with little brother. You know, in verses 15 through 16, look at the prayer, look at the blessing that he's calling on God to give to these boys. He's, he's full of faith, he's full of praise at the end. Man, I want that. You know, God is so good. Joseph comes dragging into Egypt several years earlier thinking that few and evil were his days. 
right? He comes in the time of the worst famine the world has ever seen. Remember his testimony to Pharaoh? Few and evil have been my days, you know? I mean, it's just a low time. Now, 17 years later, his heart's full. 17 years of blessing and provision. At the end of his life, he's full of faith. What are you gonna be saying the last couple days of your life? Let's just say, uh, you, you know, you die in old age, full of days, whether it's just you, your heart starts to fail, you give out at the end, or maybe it's some end of life disease that finally ends up taking over, and you see it, you see it coming. And you're, I mean, you've got cognition, you're awake. What are you gonna be saying? Will it be a time of worship for you? Will it be a time of praise? Will it be a time of just gratitude and thankfulness and just giving glory to God? How many get hurt in life? They get disappointed. You end up bitter. You end up, husbands end up bitter against their wives. A root of bitterness defiles many and now the whole family's messed up. You got ruptures in your family. You end up off track and you end up wasting your life fruitless. No disciples. I mean, study your Bible, okay? Pay attention to where we're at dispensationally. We're, I mean, we're stewards of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And it's required of us that we be found faithful. Well, what did the king call us to do? Oh, to go build his kingdom. How? By being fruitful, multiplying, and replenishing the earth. We've talked about all of this in Genesis, haven't we? What did the king call us to do? To win souls and make disciples and train them up to go win souls and make disciples and train them up to go win souls and make disciples and train them up to go. Ooh, so weak. Lord, I'm trying. I'm, tr- I'm trying. That's the mission, isn't it? And so many people let life rob them. I mean, it's between, your, between the, the weakness of your sinful flesh, the lying spirits that are in this world, and the system of this world. People get tricked, they get duped, they get disappointed, and they end up off track, off mission. And you come down to the end of your life when there should be just so many people that know the Lord, so many people that got edified, so many people that, 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 that have benefited in faith, they've grown in the, in the word of God, in the person of Christ, they've grown in his kingdom because God used you. So you come down to the end of your life fruitless, no disciples, no ministry multiplication. Man, pay attention to the life of Jacob. It could have been, I mean, it could have been catastrophe, but when it was all said and done, ultimately, over and over again, what does Jacob do? He just keeps obeying the word of the Lord over his life. And as a result, he was blessed, and he was fruitful, and he multiplied. Well, you're no different than Jacob. Live so that at the end, you can give praise. Here's what God said to me. Here's how God used me. Here's what God did in my life. 
to you young people, just know it. I mean, think about it. To you, to you young people, how many, how many sold out, fruitful, on fire for Jesus 70 year olds do you actually know? They are way too few and far between. So you ought to decide today. I don't care if anybody else in this room lives a sold out life for the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, he bought me with his blood, he's worthy. He, I, I am his and he is mine. He can have his way with my life. So help me God by your grace, I will be fruitful. I will multiply for your glory. So that when I get to the end of my life, it's a time of worship and praise and thanksgiving. Look at verse 17. Now, when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. Sometimes dad does not please us. And so he tries to correct his father. And he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head unto Manasseh's head. And Joseph said unto his father, not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put thy right hand upon his head. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great, but truly his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. And he blessed them that day, saying, In thee shall Israel bless, saying, God make thee as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And he said, Ephraim before Manasseh. And Israel said unto Joseph, Behold, I die, but God shall be with you, and bring you again unto the land of your fathers. What an incredible promise that he could say. I mean, this is the end for me, but God will keep his promises to this family. Just know that. Psalms 37, five says, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Then he says in verse 22, moreover, I have given, I have given to thee. Again, he's talking to Joseph. I have given to thee one portion above thy brethren which I took out of the hand of the Amorite with my sword and with my bow. Okay, so the extra portion, right, a double blessing was given to Joseph in the giving of it to his two sons. What did Joseph get in terms of a division of the land? He got two allotments. Neither has his name. They have the names of his sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. You know, Joseph was okay with that. Why? because he loves those boys. Any father worth anything wants his children to do better than he ever did. <laughs> you know, for here, here's Joseph, uh, kind of running the world right now, literally. Not as an antichrist picture or type in the word of God, but actually as a perfect type of Christ. Running the world. <laughs> um, no, inherit, no it's, your sons are gonna receive your double blessing, your double portion. They both become Jacob's, they both inherit, but Jacob is doubly blessed because the glory continues in the name of his children. And I want that desperately for the members of MBT. I want that desperately for the pastorate here. You know, I think about, I think about this from time to time. When Pastor Trotter, uh, when he passed, okay, I've got a couple minutes here, I wanna, I wanna just bring this up. Uh, maybe it'll help us all stay on the same page. When Pastor Trotter passed, I had multiple people come up to me in different, different settings and say, 
basically, what's the succession plan at the Midtown Baptist Temple? Basically, what I was hearing is, is you're getting pretty old too. And we don't expect you'll be around much longer. <laughs> so what are we gonna do moving forward? And uh, I'm like, ah, you know, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> There's some more concrete I know before the Lord that has to be poured in terms of the ministry here. But, but it is, God's been so very good to us. Things that were just chicken scratches on napkins. A lot of you guys know what we talk about when we talk about the napkin. We used to have a lot of conversations in the early days and we draw it out on a napkin, what we're trusting the Lord for. God's doing it all. Uh, what, but what in the beginning was faith, inexorably, God is bringing, he's, it's coming to pass. Um, this is from, in terms of a little church in the hood we're rock, I mean, so help us God by his grace. We're rocking the nations for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're winning souls here. We're training them up. We're equipping them. Uh, we started a Bible school. There's 500 people in the Bible school today from all over the world. So we're not just training. I mean, the majority of those students, I think, or at least half, are still from MBT. But, uh, but, the, but, but the work is getting done, and, and the ministry's multiplying, and, and uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, faith, what before was just a thing that we're trusting the Lord for, is now something that we're actually actively stewarding as a local church together. And, and so, you know, at some point, um, I, I won't be your senior pastor anymore. Who's gonna have that job? And this is what I told all of our pastors. I said, look, you don't wanna be the senior pastor. That's actually the last thing that you want Anybody that, you know, because typically what can happen is somebody can think, I could do a better job than the old man ever did. I should be the next senior pastor, and then they will begin to manipulate and lobby, and, you know, they'll, they'll do their thing, and they'll get that job, and it'll be a disaster if God doesn't have them there. You don't want to be the next senior pastor. You, you actually want whatever God wants, and you want that desperately, okay? And so I don't know. I don't know how the Holy Spirit would lead. You know, if I, if I, you know, last two days were a rest day, I'm trusting the Lord to get out on the trail and get my run in today. Let's say I have a heart attack and keel over. I'm, there's, for the record, there's nothing wrong with me that I know of, okay? <laughs> Planning on, I mean, I'm work, the reason I'm going on that run is I wanna get on planes in my 80s to go work with the young guys planting churches all over the world, okay? I wanna, go, I wanna go live with them for, you know, a month to three months at a time, okay? That's the game plan. I don't know of any problems, but you know, nobody's got the promise of tomorrow. You don't either. I don't care if you're 22. You don't have the promise of tomorrow. And so what would happen? How's that gonna work out? Would, uh, would one of the guys in this ministry be the next senior pastor? Would, 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 would the Holy Spirit lead us to call someone from another ministry to come pastor this, this church? All of that is up to the Lord. But can I just tell you what I want, what I'm trusting the Lord for? Is that okay? Um, here's what I want. I want one of our sons. I want one of our sons to be the next pastor of Midtown Baptist Temple. Someone that that all of the pastors and the, right, all of the, all the gray beards look at as a son in the faith. I mean, I can't wait, I cannot wait 
to work for a son in the faith. That's gonna be awesome. That's, gonna be, that's what I'm trusting the Lord for. I'm trusting the Lord for someone that, that whenever they pastor, they, they, they've actually, they, they've had everything that we can give them plus the experiences that we've had in ministry and, and they'll be equipped and, and they'll be able to do a far better job leading this church than I ever could. I'm trusting the Lord for someone that, well, here, check it out, 1 Samuel chapter 18. It came to, it came to pass as they came when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets with joy and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul hath slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was not a father. He didn't have a father's heart toward David. He didn't want David to do better than he ever could. And so he was very wroth. And the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David his ten thousands. And to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day forward. <laughs> uh, my, my prayer is that a son in the faith will be so fruitful that this church will be saying, man, thank God. I mean, we've never been so blessed. We've never been so fruitful as a local church. I mean, Pastor Sam slayed his thousands, but look at this guy. He slays his ten thousands, and I'll be right there with you singing the song. Amen. Right? That's what we're trusting the Lord for. Fathers want their children to do better. You, you young people that God's working in your heart to raise you up to go out and, and be a pioneer somewhere, to plant a local church that's winning souls and making disciples, that's getting the work done. It won't be easy, it will be hard, it will cost you your life and it's worth it. And those churches that you start, those churches that you plant, I pray that they're far more fruitful than Midtown Baptist Temple has ever been. I pray that the song will be MBT, slayed its thousands, but look at this church plant, Living Faith Saigon, slayed its 10,000s. Man, it's a wicked thing for a guy to think it's all about him and his glory and him getting the accolades, right, the praise, the, 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 the attaboys. Ah. When we get to the judgment seat, I want all of you to have fruit. I want all of you to have blessing at the judgment seat of Christ because you won souls and made disciples or you were part of teams to help us to do exactly that. I want you to be fruitful. I want you to have praise and glory to give to the Lord Jesus Christ over how he's worked in your life. I want, if the Lord tarries, I'm trusting. So help us God by his grace. There will be people there from every nation, every tribe, every tongue saying that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords because God used us in their faith downstream. Man, with all my heart, I want people to lift up and magnify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if none of them know the name of Midtown Baptist Temple, if none of them know my name, that's just fine with me. Jesus and I know I got to be a part of that. Jesus and we know we got to be a part of that. Is this making sense, brothers and sisters? It isn't about you. It's about the glory of the king. It's about the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Young people go out and they're gonna start a work and they're gonna show everybody how it's done. No, you won't. 
No, you won't. You'll just end up stinking it up. Small yourself. Be humble. The people that you're training up, the people that you're equipping in ministry, you want them to do better than you. You want them. You want them to have ascribed to them 10 times the kingdom value than was ever ascribed to you. That's the heart of a father. Is this making sense, brothers and sisters? Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name, and Lord, how desperately we need you. Lord, help us to recognize to you is the kingdom, the honor and the glory. Lord, thank you for the example, the life of Jacob. This manipulator, (laughs) this supplanter, this little jerk in the early days, what a mighty man of faith to come to the end of his life having followed you, having submitted, becoming Israel, your people. Lord, to end his life as a time of worship. God, thank you so much. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters that what, 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 what Jacob is modeling for us, that would be reality in our life, that we would so decide, so purpose in our heart, that our lives, they're, they're yours, they're for you to use, that they'll be lived out to your glory so that when we come to the end, the end of our life or the end of the church age, that it'll be a time of rejoicing and worship and glory and honor and praise for you. Lord, if there's any here today that do not know Christ as Lord and Savior, God, I'm asking that today in repentance over sin, in faith in the gospel, that they'd come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For believers who have been comparing themselves among themselves, help them to see this is not wise. Help them to see the incredible privilege that you've given us in Ephesians chapter four to be members of a local church, to be the, the, the vehicle, the, the engine that you use to build up the rest of the body and their faith for them to be fruitful. Lord, would you work in our heart so that for each of us, we want everybody else, we wanna be fruitful, but we want everybody else to be more fruitful than we are. Lord, we wanna please the heart of your spirit. We wanna please the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we want you to be greatly glorified. And so Lord, we don't have any capacity in and of ourselves, not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it, Lord, because we're yours, God, would you take us and would you have your way with us as a people and be glorified in and through our lives, all in Jesus' name, amen.